0: Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. You know, we are always searching for ways to live the example of our teachings in order to improve our world. One of the ways we accomplish this is with Partners Fair Trade Boutique, our store here at the Unity Center campus. You'll find many unique items from around the world, all ethically sourced through Fair Trade. There is... In nature, this drive to survive, this drive to live. I'm sure you've seen flowers and plants growing up in the cracks of concrete, right? Or trees, literally trees coming out of rocks. And you go, how'd that happen? It's that drive to express, to thrive, to live. It's a passion for what's possible. As I was listening to the song and thinking about Jean Houston, who we're going to explore a bit today, her work and her main teachings and ideas, I have so many visions of her. I've shared the platform with her at Awakened World conferences that we held years ago together with the Association for Global New Thought in Palm Springs. I have a vision of her and a busload of participants in Dharamsala, India, or trying to make our way to Dharamsala, India for our very first dialogues with His Holiness the Dalai Lama. And you get to know people when you are on a rough bus ride for six, seven hours at a time. You know, who you are really comes out in, in a very authentic and real way. And, and Jean was, and to me still is, a larger-than-life energy and presence. How many of you are familiar with Jean Houston? just a few of you. I hope that in what I share this morning that I think is of practical help to us individually, that you might be inspired to become more acquainted with her. She's still with us. She was born in 1937. She's an innovative scholar and philosopher. She's the author of 11 books. Um, One of my favorites, two of my favorites are her books, Jump Time and The Possible Human. And, you know, when she would teach from her book, Jump Time, she would literally be on a stage in front of a thousand or more people, and she'd have the entire audience get up on their feet and have us jumping together. And part of her her focus in, in that work and in those seminars was this idea that we have this drive within us, we have this passion, we have... So much that is possible within each and every one of us, whether we feel like we're a tiny little flower in a tiny little garden, there is that in us that is striving and wanting to stretch and grow and be. And part of her concept of this idea of jump time is that we are living in, and this book is a number of years old now, but it still applies, that we are living in radical times and that our life is not just meant for us individually but that we have a divine appointment on the planet now. We have been born into this time in history, not only for our own individual expression, but for what we can do to help elevate the whole. She is often referred to in her work, often referred to as the evocator of human capacities. I like that word, evocator of human capacities. When my daughter Jennifer was looking through my lessons, helping with some of finding some of the readings, she said, Mom, what does evocateur mean? We don't use that word very often, do we? But, of course, it comes from the idea of evoke, to pull out from within and to be the kind of person, a teacher or a parent or a boss or a friend that is an evocateur of the possible in another is powerful. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And Jean was and is an vocateur of human capacities. Some interesting tidbits about her. Her father was a comedy writer. And if you ever heard or saw Jean teach, that, that flair for the dramatic, the flair for the funny, the flair for, um, from, for larger than life. I think she got some of that from, from her dad. He was a comedy writer. He wrote for people like Bob Hope and George Burns. So no small comedy writer. Her father was a descendant of the Texan Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. She, Jean, and her husband. Um, participated in a United States government-sanctioned research project on the effects of psychedelics. And when that research project was um, disbanded, She and her husband pursued what other methods, and this is where she kind of got her entry, I think, into somewhat into new thought and into the human potential movement, what other kinds of experiences could break open consciousness. She taught at Marymount uh, College, was a lecturer at Hunter College. Her very deep interest in anthropology Brought her into close friendship with Margaret Mead. So she walked in some amazing circles. And she often spoke of this idea of the entelechy. Entelechy. Say that word with me. Entelechy. Entelechy. Entelechy is a philosophical and metaphysical concept that originated from Aristotle. And it refers to the realization or the actualization of potentialities, specifically in living organisms. According to Aristotle, all living things possess a specific potential or inherent capacity to develop and fulfill their potential. Can you see where this would be leading to to someone like Gene Houston talking about this idea of entelechy as it relates to the innate potential within every single one of us? Do you ever find it easier to think about another person and go, oh, yeah, they've got tremendous potential in them. I can see it for them. I can hold it for them. Do you sometimes find it easier to think about that in relationship to somebody else than to yourself? Yeah, I, uh, me too. And yet it's not an either or. We want to hold that for each other. I want to be able to look at you and know that you have tremendous potential in you, even if it's not been realized completely, hence the word potential, right? But we also need to own that for ourselves, for ourselves, that you are incredibly, as am I, filled with potential and capabilities that are needed that are needed. We're hardwired for the gifts that are ours to give. Jean's work to this day revolves around the exploration of human potential. She emphasizes the idea that each individual has within them a divine purpose, and that that divine purpose drives our life, either consciously or beneath the surface, and that we have the ability to fulfill it. I would say that maybe it's even more than we have the ability to fulfill it. We have the responsibility to fulfill it. The potential that's within us, I'm going to use the the God word, but the potential within us, I think, is God's gift to each individual. And we honor or respect the divine or God, whatever you call that, to the extent that we work to uncover it, to be that little flower in that garden reaching for the light. Jean emphasizes the importance of self-discovery, self-actualization, and personal transformation. Does that not sound like what we're involved in, a new thought? Absolutely. And through the techniques and the tools of visualization and meditation and prayer, these are the tools that we use to to fulfill our purpose, to to keep us motivated on that path of fulfillment. So I want to share four ideas with you, kind of themes that I've pulled out of my interpretation of her work. Somebody else would probably pull out different themes. But the first theme is this, the wonder of you. The wonder of you. Say that. The wonder of you. What would it be like if tomorrow morning, the first thing you did before your cup of coffee, you went into your bathroom, you turned on the light, don't comb your hair, don't brush your teeth, you look in the mirror, you smile, you say, good morning. The wonder of you. Now, why are you laughing? It might be a stretch, right? Right? But what would that feel like if you greeted yourself with this idea of the wonder of you? You are wonderful. Each one of us is. Each one of us really is amazing. It's amazing that we're even here, right? It's a miracle that we're even here but the wonder of you. There has never been someone exactly like you before, and there will never be someone exactly like you again. So looking in the mirror, and this is not something Jean is suggesting, but looking in the mirror, greeting yourself with a good morning, and the wonder of you, the wonder of me, not from an ego sense, but from a sense that there is Magic. There is purpose. There is brilliance. There is talent. There is incredible goodness in you. I love this quote of Jean's You are not an encapsulated bag of skin dragging around a dreary little ego. You are an evolutionary wonder, a trillion cells singing together in a vast corral, a symbiosis of cell and soul. I'm going to read that again. I just love that. You are not an encapsulated bag of skin dragging around a dreary little ego. Some of us in this room might resonate more with that statement. You know, when we look in the mirror or we try to drag our body out of bed, we might feel more like we are an encapsulated bag of skin dragging around a dreary little ego. But we're not that. You're an an evolutionary wonder. We are that. You are that. When we remember that truth, it shapes us. It's like fertilizer for the soul. It's like all good energy, all good vitamins, all good everything for the soul. Would you not agree that our families would be better families if each and every one of us really got the wonder of us and lived from the goodness of that in our families? Would our families be better? Of course they would no matter how great they may be right now, they'd be even better. Would you not agree that if each family unit lived from that, from the wonder of each individual in that family, would the community in which that family lives be better? Of course it would. And you know that that would go out in ever-widening circles of influence. Jesus, you are not a passive observer in the cosmos. The entire universe is expressing itself through you at this very moment. That's pretty powerful. That ought to make it really easy for us to look in the mirror tomorrow morning and greet ourselves with a cheerful good morning. And the idea of celebrating the wonder of us. So, how might your life be different? What might you be saying yes to? What opportunities might you be saying yes to? What different decisions might you be making? What different activities might you be engaged in? What relationships might you be pursuing? If you really celebrated the wonder of you, that would be something good and meaningful to journal about. Second, theme in her teachings, in her books, in her work in mystery schools, is the idea of changing the narrative. Say that with me. Changing the narrative. Changing the narrative. She says, if you keep telling the same sad small story, you will keep living the same sad small life. If you keep telling the same sad small story, you will keep living the same sad small life. Change the story and you change your perception, change your perception, and you change your world, right? Right? That's Metaphysics 101. We say it in lots of different ways. Change your thinking, change your life. Thoughts held in mind, produce any the outer after their kind. Energy flows where attention goes. Change the narrative, change the story. And for some of us, we maybe need to be paying attention to what is the current story we've been telling ourselves, and is it the story we want to be living in? Is it the story we want to be manifesting? And perhaps one of the best ways to really... Kind of update and check in with ourselves on what is the story that we've been telling ourselves here of late is to pay attention to the words that come out of your mouth. Pay attention to the thoughts that you wake up with. Pay attention to what kind of cycles through your mind. And then ask yourself is that what you want to see concretized in your life? Is that what you want to see manifest? In your life. And if not, we know that we begin to change the narrative. We begin to change what we tell ourselves. We begin to change how we view ourselves. I was reading an article in Newsweek. It's an older uh, older article, not that old, but 2021. The article title was 12 Mind-blowing Facts About Your Body. 12 Mind-blowing Facts About Your Body. And there were a l- quite a number of facts in there, 12 of them. I just want to tell you one that relates to this idea of changing the narrative and how fluid our memories and our minds can be. So it's Dr. Jeff Foster, who's medical director in the United Kingdom. He said, we imagine that when we remember an event or something in the past, it is like playing a recorded file in a computer. That's kind of the sense I've had. He says, but actually, Our brain rewrites the memory each time we think of it, slowly altering or twisting it over time. Therefore, the childhood memories we cherish may have actually been distorted by our brains over many years. Not replaying the same one, but actually rewriting it. That's something to think about. And it's something that plays into... The deeper exploration and and self-discovery of the narratives that we're telling ourselves. Are they really true? Are they helpful? Do they need to be rewritten consciously and deliberately? Third theme in her teaching. She uses the word, and I used it in, in our meditation time. She uses the word lure. She says, be led by the lure, the lure of becoming you. The lure of becoming you. Say that with me. The lure of becoming you. There's something very beautiful to me about the sound of that. The lure of becoming you. I think about, but I know nothing about this topic, so I'm in dangerous territory when I tell you the little bit I'm thinking about right now. But I think about fishing lures and fly fishing. And the little I know is a lure is used to attract the fish, right? And so it's made to, to mimic something that the fish might be interested in eating. And that's in part how, I guess, you attract them and can catch them. The lure of becoming you, she says, it's the soul that is pulling us forward. But we don't get quiet enough to listen. We don't get quiet enough and still enough to listen. It is really out of that practice of, of training ourselves to be able to be quiet and not just verbally quiet, but for the mind to be quiet, for ourselves to become still so that we can really sense, we can really begin to feel the deeper nudges, the stirring of our soul. It's what Jean is speaking of when she says, the lure of becoming. There is something else that is trying to come through, the lure of becoming. And it does come from the realm of spirit. It does come from the quantum universe. It does come from the great spark that is the threshold of time and history trying to emerge and electrify us. It sounds like a divine mystery to me, a spark of magic in each of us. The universe luring us, if you will, into becoming a fuller expression and version of ourselves. She wrote, the soul is the lure of becoming. We all have the extraordinary coded within us waiting to be released. I'm reminded of a statement I first heard from a friend of mine, many of you know him, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. And he was the first, I believe to have said this, certainly the first person I heard it from, the idea of either being pushed by pain or pulled by a vision. And I think one of the thresholds that Most of us in this room and probably online, if we're in this teaching of unity and science of the mind, we have probably crossed that threshold of it being pain that's pushing us in our lives. It probably did at one point. It may have been the very thing that brought us into the teaching that we felt... Challenge that something wasn't working in our lives in a significant way, something was missing, we felt empty, and there was this pain that pushed us to find a different way, right? Some of you are nodding your heads. That was true for me also. But I think when we're in this teaching long enough and the teaching becomes deeper in us, we cross a threshold. And I think the threshold is that it's not pain that pushes us anymore because we don't need to be pushed by pain that we are pulled by a vision, and we can be pulled by the vision because we've learned how to be quiet. We've learned how to listen. We've learned how to, to explore the depths of our own being and to pay attention. And to the extent that we do that, we do find that we emerge into this place of becoming a fuller more, I won't say complete, but a fuller more robust version of ourselves, be led by the lure, the lure of becoming you. And the very last idea that I want to close with is this idea of crossing the great divide. And so in some of Jean's work where she um, has emphasized the fact that we are here at this point in history for important reasons, that the kind of consciousness that we attempt to practice is very, very much needed and that that practice of that consciousness can help us individually and collectively cross the great divide. But this is how she words it. In a world such as ours, where we have to cross a great divide of otherness, or we will not survive, love is perhaps the most critical aspect that there is in our humanity to both activate and practice. So much of the message I gave last Sunday on the teachings and wisdom of Ram Das was on the idea of love. The title of that talk was Love, Serve, and Remember. If you missed it, you can catch it on, on, our, um, on our channel. Crossing the great divide, crossing this, this sense of otherness, the way that we cross that, the way that we connect, the bridge is built through the activation and the practice of love. The bridge is built through the activation and the practice of love. Not your head if you agree with this statement that you know that you have the ability to activate and practice love even more than what you're already doing in your life right now. Is that a true statement for you? It's a true statement for me too. My meditation time has shifted a little bit. In the last month or so, I find myself really, really working with and holding the energy of the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace where there is hatred, let me sow love and all of the beautiful, beautiful words there and the emphasis on love, on the, the emphasis on activating in us, all that is good. Not that we'll do it perfectly, not that we'll do it every time. That's that's an unrealistic expectation. But we can make as an intention that we will activate and practice a little bit more than what we're doing right now. Just turning up the volume of love, if you will, a little bit more. The practice of love a little bit more. Jane says, the more you love, the more loving you become. That's just the way it works. It's a generosity of spirit. So when you get Still, when you get quiet in your meditation time, in your practice, when you hush the voice of criticism, when you hush any self-doubt that runs in your mind, what is the lure of your soul? What is moving in you? What is saying it is time to become? I hope you'll explore that question. Namaste.